Welcome to Live the Fuel, where we fuel your health, business, and lifestyle. And now your host, Scott Mulvaney. All right, good day and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another Live the Fuel show. So this evening, I have, yes, yet another new guest co-host for you. Uh, And this gentleman might know a few things from the fitness industry. Uh, He's, I love his bio because he's got a good long bio and we'll chunk it out tonight. But I love the fact that on his site, which is his name, patrigsby.com, he likes to sum it up in five power words. He's a father, he's a husband, he's an entrepreneur, coach, and author. And uh, there's been some recent things happening in, in his family lifestyle that may even come in tonight's show as well, since we really are advocates for a healthy lifestyle. And I do appreciate it when our co-hosts are confident enough and willing enough to share some transparency. So I wanted to lay that into the intro to make sure you guys listen in and make sure you get the whole show tonight. So without further ado, our latest new guest co-host tonight, Pat Rigsby, sir. Welcome to the show. Well, hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Uh, really looking forward to this. Yeah, so uh, I love the fact that thank you for shortening up your your bio because there is a lot going on with you. <laughs> so if I try to dis- dissertate all of that, I'm like, um, yeah, no. <laughs> and I get all kinds of bios sent to me. And, and I will say, uh, I think you came to me through Interview Valet. They do a great job, uh, you know, summing things up, doing a little one pager. So shout out to them. Uh, great team. I- I've had Tom on the show. He's awesome. And uh, I-, I don't know how long you've been working with them. So has that been a newer relationship for you? Um, you know, it's probably been six months or so and yeah, they're, they're outstanding. Awesome. Yeah. And and apparently there's other agencies that does this now. So podcasting has gotten that established after all these years. And now people are helping podcasters connect with new people. So I was like, Hey, you want to send me people? That's great. Usually my team has had to hunt people down for the first two years. Now it's made my life a lot easier. (laughs) Yeah. They solved a big problem, I think. Yeah. So is your is your bio still up to date or are you are you a fresh 46 still yeah um i mean technically it's up to date i got about a month and a half before uh 47 all so. right all right well I, I turned 41 in in uh september so we're we're close you know so my 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 now wife as of a couple of weeks ago calls me uh the old guy and i'm, I'm like <laughs> i was like if 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 age was defined by a number, uh, then we'd have a serious problem because I'm pretty damn health and fit, healthy and fit. So, and I have a feeling you believe in that commitment as well. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's probably led me down an interesting career path. I was being really excited about health and fitness and sports and everything else. So yeah, that's probably why the bio has some twists and turns. (laughs) Well, I mean, you, you've definitely, gotten the right influence out there. I mean, you've gotten connected with, I mean, you're a best-selling author, right? Let's go right, let's go right there. Uh, cause I, I'm a new upcoming author. I've been published in a magazine a few times and now I'm, I'm finishing a book, my first book. So, uh, I think that's the hardest part maybe is getting the first one out there. Can oh, you speak to that? Uh, yeah. The first one's so much worse than all the rest. Why? Sure. <laughs> like anything like the, the, that daunting, that overwhelm, that, that you get because it's this bucket list type item or whatever else. But then after that, it's kind of old news. Right. So, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I'm sure that if any of my, uh, English teachers or English professors in college would had had any idea that I might write a book or, I mean, I've written a daily email newsletter for about 14 and a half years without missing a day. If they would have thought that writing 
was a big part of my life, they would have probably laughed me out of the room. So Okay, yeah. I have people who commend me for publishing two podcasts a week, which is my average, right? You, you've been doing a daily newsletter. Yeah. For 14 and a half years. Yep, yep. I, I'm, wear, I'm wearing a, a shirt that says mic drop, where I feel like I need to virtually hand that to you through the camera right now because you can just drop the mic on that. That is commitment, sir. I mean, wow. <laughs> It, it's just let's get one day in the books and then the next and then it gets to be this thing where it's like well I can't do it because I can't stop because then you know I'm, I'm starting from email one so well, I, I guess we could bring one of my it's become more of a favorite quote in the past probably six to 12 months in the show it just started naturally clicking because my fitness background but it's like it's that classic statement of putting in the reps Right. Yeah. And obviously that's what you did. Like, okay, you just got the ball rolling. You started putting in the reps and then it got easier. And then it, you just didn't want to stop that flow. Yeah. That, I, I mean, that's it. it. It's being able to kind of check it off and say, I won today and move on to the next one. Oh, then you're motivating me, sir, because I, I, I was able to write the book faster than it was to take it. Cause I have to finish at least my own edits yeah. before I can have somebody else edit it. And that's my slowest part now. It's like I, I I banged out the book and now it's just finishing the darn editing. And it's like, oh, I hate this part. <laughs> yeah, we're we're always kind of our own worst critic in, in that kind of world. So yeah. I, I'm sure that you've done good work there and knock it out and hand it off to somebody else. Well, I mean, enough about me. Uh, you, you've, you have had a six books, right? So six best-selling, right? Um, or, yeah, I've authored or co-authored 16 now. Oh, um, let's throw the co-authoring in. Okay. Yeah. So there, I mean, there've been some, some fun collaborative type projects that I've done and then a number of books on my own. And it's just been after the first one, it's just gotten a lot more comfortable is just this okay, I'm putting something out there that's kind of this asset that somebody can benefit from a lot longer than a Facebook Live or something like that, right? And so, um, yeah, I mean, so the first one was kind of a punch in the gut because you're like, oh, wait a minute, now I want to go back and change this thing that I wrote towards the beginning and you go through it. And then finally, you, you're at peace with the fact that like, look, you know, I mean, this is this is good and I'm proud of it and time to hand it off and on to the next thing. Well, I've had past co-hosts on the show that have gone ahead and say, you know what? You got to reach a point where it's good enough. You get it out there, you get the feedback. And then if it's really, really powerful and people have a lot of questions coming from it, then you do a second release, which a few people have. Like they've, they've shipped me second releases of their books only two years after putting out the first one. Uh, and it's done well. So I, I guess it comes down to, uh, to your point, right? It's like, you just got to be happy with that first edition, get it out there and see how it does. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I think that that's one of the things like for the entrepreneurial people who might be listening in, it, it's one of the biggest things that I've probably learned through the, you know, 15 plus years I've been on the business side of all this is, I mean, if you're waiting around for perfect, it's not coming. So you might as well get something out there and make an impact because that's the only way that it's going to work is once you get, you know, you ship it and people can go benefit from it. Well, you could definitely speak to this. The listeners better be locking this in because, uh, again, pulling from your bio, you've literally sold as many as 116 franchises in a single year and uh, 
copywriter for over $10 million in online sales. Is that accurate? Uh, or more? <laughs> yeah, probably, you know, I mean, the, the online sales, that would have been, you know, I mean, it, it's probably two or three times, well, probably three times that much. But, um, you know, it, it, it gets back to that, like, if there's something valuable, then put it out there and get it in people's hands because hoarding all that stuff to ourselves doesn't, doesn't help anybody. Well, and when you said all that, it just made me think of the, there's a famous quote online now, thanks to Reed, uh, the founder of LinkedIn, since he sold obviously LinkedIn, but one of his favorite quotes is if you're not embarrassed by the first product that you put out there, you waited too long. Like, yeah. uh, it's like, you got to get it out there. You have to learn from it. And uh, to your point, there's no such thing as perfection. There's always going to be something potentially wrong or could have been improved or could have been tweaked. Uh, and then you, you get to this phase of uh, paralysis by analysis, right? So it's like put up or shut up, man. Get it out there. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think we've got all the, you know, so many people that have great things to share and they they hold off waiting to, to fine tune it a little bit more. And then, you know, they, they miss out on all the people they could have impacted, all the, the difference they could have made. And what's great about it is, there, the market's going to tell you how to improve it. Like you sitting there trying to figure out how to improve it yourself. I mean, you've got kind of a low ceiling there, right? Like there's only like, you know, a, a group of one here working on it, but the market's going to tell you what to fix, how to tweak things, how to improve. So I'm a fan of get it out there and uh, let them tell you how to make it better. I tell people that with marketing and social media, for example, it's like, oh, well, I, want, I need to hire a strategist. I'm like, okay, well, I'm a strategist technically, right? So I was like, you do realize though that part of the strategy is putting the content up there and seeing how it performs. I mean, it, it, I don't care who you talk to, most social media is a giant guessing game. There, there's yeah. only so much you could put a strategy to. <laughs> and it, it's great now because we get such quick feedback. I mean, marketing when I would have started into the business world, um, you know, if you're going to do more direct mail or something, I mean, you're spending a lot of money and waiting a, a pretty significant amount of time, you know, weeks to get enough data and enough feedback to know how to tweak and improve. Now, I mean, we can run an ad or post something on social media and know like that day, you know, so yeah, it's uh, it's an exciting time to be, in the, in the business world. So back to your power of five here, right? You have the father, the husband, the entrepreneur, the coach, the author. So it's exciting to be in this. I, I like what you hit on this, right? Cause the marketing is so much faster nowadays. You get the feedback, you get, you can tweak and, and, and move quicker. So compared to when you started right to where you are today, has your love of speaking about this or writing about this, has that shifted because of those changes? Like, do you still like the niche more to the fitness side versus the business side? Is there any part of that or is it always still a marriage? Yeah, it's all, it's all kind of interwoven. Oh. Um, you know, before, and I don't know that it made the bio there that you have or not. I was a college baseball coach before I got into the business world. Yeah. That was and, uh, Shawnee, right? Yep. Yep. So, so I was um, 23, by the way. <laughs> Yeah. So, so I got to screw up a lot in my twenties and figure stuff out. So, um, you know, but it was kind of the same thing there. I love baseball, but the recruiting was, was business, right? It was marketing, selling. And so I just love 
that side of it too, trying to find ways to, to go out and connect with better prospects than my competition to follow up, to get them to come on campus. And so, yeah, I think I've always been excited about the challenge and kind of co-mingling all those things. Well, I love the fact that you're a past sports coach and you know your sales and we got to pause on what you just, just dropped a golden nugget. I've been telling people for years, uh, because I was guilty of this, I, I told myself I never wanted to get into sales because I don't want to be the used car sales guy, right? There was I had a, Sales had a bad stigma to it. And, I, and people were like, dude, but you're good at it. <laughs> like, it's just natural, right? You're, you're good at communicating, you're interactive, and it's true. And then I finally embraced it, and you know, people pay me to help them grow their business. But the point here is that I've been – it took me years to realize this, but it's like, guys, like we're actually all experiencing sales and also dishing it out ourselves. It could go back to if you guilty, uh, so accidentally sideswiping your, your mom's car when you were still learning to drive, when you tried to pull it into the garage, cause you secretly backed the car out and screwed around with it around the farm and then put it away in the garage. That was me. And then lied and said that, Oh, it must've happened when she was at the grocery store and somebody hit it with a shopping cart. Yeah, that was me. <laughs> I was clearly selling her on a false story, which lasted for years. But mind you, I eventually told the truth because I was I just I felt bad. But my point here is like you as a coach, right? Like you had to teach your athletes this, right? Like guys, like if you're trying to get to an advanced level of sports, right? Getting in high school to college, professional sports or getting the job or getting into that better university. It's all interviews. It's all selling. Yeah, I mean, all of it. And if we think about what we're doing on a daily basis in the fitness industry, even, right? I mean, it's not enough to get somebody as a client. You've got to persuade them to stay on track, stay compliant, stay motivated. And you're essentially having to resell them over and over and over because, mm. I mean, they've probably got decades of behavior that was pretty different from what you're asking them to adopt. So you're selling them on this constantly. So, yeah, I mean, if, if we're not embracing selling and persuasion and everything else, we're missing out on so much of what we can accomplish and how much impact we can have. I love that point because I, when I used to be a spinning instructor, there like five, six years of that. To your point, I, I teach like the 5.30, 6 a.m. because I do that and then go into my corporate gig later. This is years ago. And – I had, you always had that occasional one or two, usually it's one person. It's not usually more than that, but there's always that one person to your point that has been so miswired. And that's the relation. The, re, the only way to rewire or improve that person's wiring mentally is through relationship building, which is part of the sales process. It's not going to happen on day one. You're not going to convince somebody that they're going to be able to sit through a whole spinning class for an hour and do everything other people's going to do. In the beginning, it's just convincing them like, it's okay, man, get on the bike. We'll, we'll make the class fit you. Don't worry. Don't, I'm the crazy nutball on the bike up front with a puddle of sweat under it. That's me. Don't worry about me. You know, focus on you. But that process has to go through comfort and relationship building. And that's something that I learned through, you know, coaching sports and, and teaching that. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I think that the sooner we embrace it, the better off we are for sure. So when are, do you find yourself to this day, like, 
what is your target audience nowadays? Like, are you still involving yourself a lot with down to the trainer level of some of your influence? Are you dealing more with those, the coaches or trainers who have become the entrepreneurs and they're trying to like massively grow their business or branch out and build franchises, for example, stuff like that? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely um, predominantly business owners uh, in, in the, the, fitness landscape, but also health and sports performance. Uh, you know, I, I've definitely preferred to kind of stay in that service minded landscape rather than kind of branching out into just general business coaching. I've always liked the values that the people in that the service, uh, service fields kind of subscribe to. And the, they were just the people I've enjoyed spending my time with and helping the most. Now, is that like programs like uh, Business Growth Accelerator, the Ideal Business Academy, those programs you have on your site? Yep. And actually, since, yes. since we're talking about it, let's go ahead and for the video watchers here and do a little screen sharing because that way I can at least back it up. So I'm on your coaching section of your site, actually. So, yeah. which by the way, love the Business Growth Accelerator. It makes perfect sense. A lot of small businesses don't know how to reach that point of acceleration. They're just trying to survive. And they're thinking about just survival. And they're never even considering even getting to the acceleration point. <laughs> um, yeah. Do you find it, that happening a lot? It, we see so much in the business world, I think, these guys that, um, you know, they, they start off and they've got this th these dreams or hopes or this vision of what they want to do. And then before you know it, they're just being reactive and it feels like they're kind of playing defense and they're not out there pursuing the business they want to have. They're not um, going and, and bringing more clients in so they can scale. And next thing you know, they're, they're, they're working twice as hard for half as much as they probably were making in the job they had before they started a business. Mm -hmm. I, I, I have to say I'm passionate about the fitness industry with you and I, I have seen it so much with just colleagues of mine. I'm big in the CrossFit space and I, I'm also a CFL one trainer, but I've, I recently was offered part ownership in, in a box and I was like, no, nah, I'm good. <laughs> one, I, I just, my choice in businesses, I don't want to own brick and mortar businesses. I'm more virtual and online. That's just my choice. Um, and I wanted to see my friends succeed without me. I was like, listen, I, I got your back. You know, you want to do some consultations. You want to have some help. We'll, we'll work that way. But I'm not the right co-owner because you, you're going to want me in the business day to day. And that's not what I'm looking for. Um, and I see this often where amazing coaches and amazing trainers want to become their own business person, but they don't know squat about business. <laughs> um, I'm sure you probably word it nicer in your trainings. Uh, how, how do you, I guess, help? Do you ever actually, do you ever have to like just go right to them on that and just say, listen, guys, like it's okay. You, it's okay. It's so common. You just don't know business. I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I, I mean, to be honest, that's, uh, that's a, a big part of the, the conversation out of the gate. And I don't think there's any shame in that. I mean, they've been passionate about this one thing, this, you know, be it fitness or health or sports performance, they, they've been passionate about really learning to become a specialist in this area. Well, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't expect somebody to be great in this one area and then all of a sudden have all these other things that they just kind of happen to be great at, too. I mean, most of us, you know, there's only so much bandwidth to have and they've allocated it in this one spot. So my goal is to kind of help them 
not have to go through all the trial and error and not have to navigate all the bumps in the road and everything and just kind of give them uh, a plan of attack they can go execute based around the things they are good at and the things they are passionate about. And, you know, I, I think it's worked out pretty well because it allows them to stay pretty close to what they consider their wheelhouse, but, um, you know, still do what they need to do from a business standpoint to, you know, have the type of business that, that they set out to have when they started in the first place. Yeah. Well, and I think uh, the other thing that has to be realized is anybody hearing this is it's a time, there's a timeline here, right? <laughs> it's okay. It's not going to happen overnight. Even working with you, it's, not an overnight process to become a successful business owner, a successful entrepreneur. I'm sorry. It's, it's painful sometimes to hear that, but it's true. I've had to learn yeah. that. <laughs> I mean, it, it's probably very much a, a cliche type thing, but anything worth having requires some investment and some perseverance. And that's good. I wouldn't want it to be just incredibly easy for somebody to have a business because if it was, then you know, I mean, there, there's no real you a lower cost on that procedure or that appointment or whatever happened that day. I had no idea. So yeah. And like, it's jacked we, up the insurance. We give like, you know, bookkeeping discount, you know, for if someone pays in full, that obviously decreases the amount of work that we have to do at the front desk. So we can give a bookkeeping discount, but we can't do it um, uh, so much that it would compete with say that the insurance prices, you know, we can't, you know, because then they'd come after us because we're in network with them. It's just, it's crazy. Well, it's like, so Kristen, my now wife, like she mm. wants us to get combined insurance now. And I'm like, crap. Like I haven't really, I found the cheapest darn policy I could find years ago. And she doesn't understand how it's still around. Like I went on back when they launched that, I went on to insurance.com uh -huh. and I went around and I found one at the time. It was a hundred bucks a month. That's awesome. And she's just like, what are your deductibles? I'm like, I don't know. And I don't care because I don't use it. <laughs> So, yeah. I, so I bought it and, and now it, you know, a few years later, it's now up to, I now pay two twenty a month. Same thing. I haven't changed anything. It's just mm -hmm. been sitting on autopilot. And, and she's just like, I don't understand how you have this. And I said, whatever. I wonder if you're like just grandfathered in some old plan. I, I'm literally yeah. just waiting for the day that when they're going to say, we're going to finally close this policy down. I just don't, yeah. I, I just think they're so darn busy. Yeah. Nobody has time to shut that policy down. Right. And, but she pays $600 a month. Mm -hmm. So, but she's a, she's a private small business. Uh, there's one, two, three, four women in their practice. So mm -hmm. they all had, and they're all ladies. So you got like the whole, I don't know, whatever. I, I truly feel that ladies pay more for insurance because of the motherhood thing and the creating mm -hmm. life and the, your, your, uh, breast cancer risks and all this stuff. So, mm -hmm. Uh, that's why I'm like, I don't want to merge insurance because you're going to cost me more money. <laughs> yeah, probably will. <laughs> but the whole point, anyway, so she was like, well, I get chiropractic care. I'm like, yeah, but you're paying $600 a month for that. Yeah. I walk in, I pay 50 bucks cash. So I was like, so if I go once a month, I'm currently paying 220 for medical insurance that I don't use. I did obviously finally need it for the collapsed lung injury. But other than that, you know, mm -hmm. I had it there for the worst case scenario. So, so technically I'm paying 270 a month for a once a month Cairo. Even if I added a second Cairo win, now I'm up to 320, still cheaper mm -hmm. than her insurance. So it's like, mm -hmm. why? I was like, do you go more than twice a month for Cairo? She's like, no, I'm lucky if I remember to go once. I was like, but you're bragging that you get free Cairo. So yeah. I was like, and you're paying, 
and there's still a deductible. So it's like mm-hmm. this racket. If you you have to literally read through these details. Oh yeah, and and the frustrating thing for me is that most of the time their insurance will cover you know so many visits of Cairo, and they're like, oh, I only want to use that though, and I'm like, well, I'm telling you that based on your case, you need more. Right. Uh, and they say, and I say, well, this is the you know this is what's going to cost after that after it runs out, and they say, well, I don't want to, and I'm just like frustrated See, because that's frustrating. Insurance companies are dictating care at that point. Yeah. Well, and admittedly, uh, when I when I had my policy, they read it wrong and they thought. They corrected me, and they actually thought that I did have it. Mm-hmm. So they just started submitting my stuff, and I wasn't paying. And then mm-hmm. after like two months, um, this is back when she really started digging into me. Like I was going every week for like two, yeah. three months, and then all of a sudden, like, hey, we messed up. So now you owe us like, you know, all this money. And mm-hmm. I was, it was like it was probably close to a grand. Yeah, and I was like, like surprised. I was like, uh, no, that is your fault. I told you when I walked in that I didn't have Cairo. You told me you said I did, and I said I didn't. And then mm-hmm. I was supposed to trust you that you were going to get it approved. So yeah. they ended up working with me. That's why I'm still going there. And, and they gave me a nice. huge discount and, you know, gave me some customer service. That's good. Yeah, that's it. And that's, again, if you try to do that in an MD office. Oh yeah. Good luck. No way. Yeah. So let, let, let's dig deeper into the functional medicine piece here, because I did, oh. I did say in the intro that I want to help clarify this because if we have newer listeners, they might not have listened to one of the past episodes. Mm-hmm. Help people understand what, why I love FM and why you love FM, right? Yeah, why yeah. did you study functional medicine? Well, I'll take it all the way back then to like, you know, my personal experience. So yeah. like, as you mentioned in my intro, you know, I suffered with a lot of chronic inflammatory conditions uh, when I was younger, uh, starting, you know, at age two, uh, all the way up into, I don't know, 16, 18, when I really started to actually start to heal myself. Uh, but everything from irritable bowel syndrome to allergies to asthma to I used to break out in like huge hives all over my body. Um, yeah. And I eventually got diagnosed with type one diabetes, autoimmune condition. Um, so, yeah, so that kind of threw me into Western medicine. That's what, you know, me and my family relied on. And, you know, eventually I got to the point where I, I realized that it wasn't working. They were helping me manage all these things, but they weren't telling me why I had them. Um, and they weren't telling me how to potentially make them better or get rid of them because mm. uh, they thought that, that was impossible. Uh, and so when I really got into health in college, I uh, decided to go get some kind of medical professional degree. Um, and so I decided on chiropractic because my parents had taken me to chiropractors since I was a kid. Um, well, but kudos even, to your parents. So yeah, my, yeah, parents, my uh, parents actually taught me about chiropractic. So Yeah, my dad actually, uh, I believe on his street, there was a chiropractor when he was growing up. And all his, you know, seven brothers and sisters went to him. Uh, so he took, he took his kids to chiropractors too. Um, but I would say that even in chiropractic school or even looking at how medicine is taught, it's, it didn't give me the answers I was looking for. You know, I, I was in there learning about how to identify symptoms or markers on blood work or orthopedic test or whatever like that and diagnose somebody with something. And Which is just like traditional MD medicine. Exactly. They're yeah. Looking, they're and so identif- they, they're great at identifying a problem, but they don't find oh yeah. the root cause. Yeah. They don't find the root cause and they don't necessarily have effective ways of, of getting rid of that root cause. Um, they just kind of treat the symptoms. And so I would argue that uh, chiropractic is, can kind of be the same way. Um, you know, we can look at someone and say, oh, you have back pain and find all these positive findings and, you know, inflammatory markers and things like that. And say, that's, you know, this is, this is why you have pain, but no one's asking, you know, how that pain developed, why it's there, hmm. you know, what's, what's going on. And so, um, 
that's why I went to go get my uh, functional medicine uh, master's right after chiropractic school. Uh, and I like functional medicine because I think that it's, it's definitely looking for the why. It's looking for why someone may have an imbalance in their body, uh, but it's also more effective at uh, getting to the root cause of that and really um, uh, creating balance where that imbalance was. Uh, Ooh, so I like really, that. I like that balance. Yeah, the balance it's really about balance. removing the things that were creating the imbalance and letting the body do its own thing. Now, I feel that even that, and this is just me in my my head, always wanted to know more and more and more. But even more than that, I looked for you know, you know, functional medicine is more effective at this. Why is it more effective? Like, why are these diseases happening at the epidemic that we're seeing them in society, uh, and and not just having this awesome, more effective way of treating it like functional medicine, but, you know, why is it there and what can we do to prevent them from even happening so functional medicine doesn't need to be there? And so that's what got me really into like evolution, which is why I wrote this book, The Health Evolution, uh, to really get into uh, the mismatch between our evolved physiology and our current way of life. And to me, that finally gave me the answers as to why I was sick as a child. And so then I was like, okay, now I can be at peace a little bit. Uh, I know why it happened. Uh, and I, and I, cause I think knowledge is power. So just knowing why. Well, again, really to clarify, this was thanks to your self-study or are you finally entering into the functional medicine education? Uh, this was self-study after functional medicine education, oh, uh, really, okay. really diving into evolution and figuring out what that was. Cause there was a lot of preconceived things I thought I knew about evolution. Uh, but I turned out to be wrong once I got in there and really figured out what was going on. But I think that having that background in functional medicine really helped me apply evolution to medicine. Um, and that's, that's my favorite thing to do now. I like looking at evolution, ecology, the natural world and applying that to medicine. So with that, I mean, so clearly you're an, you're, uh, an evolving geek about <laughs> evolution. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, true. A little fun spin there. I mean, I mean, you've already dropped some powerful bombs already. Like we got chronic disease, chronic mm. illness. Uh, the, the emphasis on chronic, unfortunately, has been established thanks to society. It, it, this is valid. Uh, I've written articles about uh, health and wellness-related issues regarding this for a local magazine here, too, over the past year and a half. And, and I don't have your background. This is just my lifestyle knowledge. And I make sure people understand, like, listen, if you need a couple letters after my name, sorry. Uh, but all I'm asking you to do is at least question, you know, why? Mm -hmm. And, and, and take uh, a good colleague of mine, a friend of mine, uh, actually also a chiropractor. Uh, he said, listen, become your own inner physician, take responsibility for your health. Stop just blindly, exp you know, blaming the doctors and assuming that it's all their fault. Um, mm -hmm. now granted, I, do I have frustrations with the medical industry? I think that came up already a couple of times on the show. Uh, but, but I still take the responsibility to be a more informed consumer. Mm -hmm. Does this come up often in your consultations with your customers at all? Or sorry, patients? Yes. I, and I've, I've, I like to think that I've developed a initial consult that, and this sounds kind of bad, but kind of weeds out the people that aren't ready to, to make the changes necessary because lots of people come to me expecting something that I can give them or they can take or I can do to them. And that will cure them and they can go back to living their life the exact same way. Can you give me and, an example? Um, like something basic know. and common that I'm sure a lot of people hearing this will be like, yeah, dude, I, I know a few people who complain about that all the time. <laughs> yeah. So like, let's, let's take an example, like uh, someone with arthritis. 
Okay. okay. There we go. Ooh, I love yeah. this subject. Yes. Yeah. So someone comes to me with arthritis and I can adjust them and I can, um, you know, put anti-inflammatory modalities on it. Like, um, um, like, I mean, you could try stem or you could try like uh, cold laser uh, or things like that, ultrasound, things like that. And I've used them all. <laughs> yeah. And, and that can help reduce the pain they may have with, um, with that arthritis. But if they keep going and eating, say, let's say lectins and nightshade vegetables that are flaring up their arthritis, it's never going to go away. An example and of nightshade is like a green bell pepper. Green bell pepper, potatoes, tomatoes, eggplants, things yeah. like that very associated in, in research with arthritis. Mm -hmm. And so that could be the thing that's triggering it, or it could be, it could be grains. It could be sugar. I'm going to um, go ahead and tell you right now, a, a good strong percentage of that is grains. <laughs> so, oh, oh yeah. Sugars yeah. And grains so, are more inflammatory than nightshades. Yeah. And so people, and I mean, I guess it's, it's, you could look at it as good business. These people keep coming back to me for this relief, but I'm not really helping that person. Uh, I'm not. And eventually they're going to be, it's going to get to the point where they're not going to be able to function in their life or they're not going to be able to do something they want to do because of this pain. And so I really try and push for that lifestyle change, knowing that I have to meet people where they are because that's, we, you know, we, we brought that up already. And I think that it's really important. I learned this really early on uh, in when I was still in school and I saw my first few patients and um, like I saw people come in and I wanted to help them you know, lose weight or, or, you know, decrease pain or just get healthier in general. And some people didn't want to, and I kept pushing, I kept pushing. And I just, and I just kept ramming it down their throats. And I, and I realized that in my head, I thought they had a problem, yeah. but really I had the problem with them and their health. And it only became their problem when they decided to do something about it. I love the point you're making right now, because I can relate. I, I, I've, I don't call myself a health coach, but I know a hell of a lot more than probably most doctors who have worked on me when it comes mm -hmm. to nutrition because mm -hmm. I'm such a geek about it because yeah. I've been doing this for years, but I don't like sell it as that on my website and stuff like that. But I have people who work with me and I, mm -hmm. I love helping them. But I'll tell you, one of the biggest negatives of that process or opportunity to improve is what you just shared with us is that we can't help everybody. Mm -hmm. Back to your point, you have, you, you've, you've figured out now, like, oh, I need to have some type of evaluation process to see where they're at on their timeline. Their, mm -hmm. their, their eyes, their ears might not be open to this yet. So why should you as a professional take their money, one, and then, but then I think for you, it sounds like the more frustration is waste your time. Time exactly. is so much more valuable than money. Well, that's what I could be spending with someone who does want to change and I could be telling them what to do and they'll actually do it. Yep. You know, I can actually be helping someone and that person that's not going to right now, that's fine. Maybe one day they'll be ready and they'll come back. They'll know where to go. Well, it's like the guy, um, or the, the person you mentioned uh, where they, they weren't using, they weren't going to go beyond what the health insurance company gave them. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I was that guy, like when they thought I was covered, like we figured out how many appointments I had. I'm like, okay, so what can I do to get me through to the end of the year? Cause back then I didn't know I wasn't mm -hmm. willing to start paying for extra. Well, that, you know, obviously that, that's just changed once I figured out that I don't have it in my insurance. But the <laughs> point was, is like, I was also that way. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to pay more for what I don't need. But then yeah. I realized, wait a minute. No, I was like, this is, a, my goal was to make this a part of a maintenance, a proactive maintenance in my lifestyle. And mm -hmm. that's what we're talking about here today too, is part of this functional medicine, part of the value of chiropractic, part of massage therapy and all these elements is that this is meant to be proactive, not yeah. 
reactive. <laughs> you're, you're supposed to be a, a health participant, not a patient. Ooh, I like that too. Health participant. Mm. I just keep writing this stuff down on my dry erase board. <laughs> um, so how long ago did you realize that you can't help everybody and you started working on that evaluation process? Um, probably, well, I mean, it was, it was definitely early on. So I, I, I lived in Ireland for two years. I practiced in Ireland for two years and it was probably there. I mean, that was my first job, uh, first chiropractic job out of school and, um, and chiropractor and Irish people don't even know what chiropractors are. I mean, they're like, there's, when I got to Ireland, their chiropractic was not recognized as a profession by the department of occupations. Oh, um, did you have to like create your own job description or what? what? Uh, no, I, I mean, I had to get a work visa, but there's like a self-regulatory body called the chiropractic association of Ireland. So if you're ever in Ireland, you want to go to chiropractor, make sure they have the little chiropractor association of Ireland thing in their office. Cause otherwise you could just go there and set up. And when were uh, you in Ireland? Where was I? I was, um, I lived in Dublin, but I, the clinic was uh, right on the County line of Dublin. Okay. I mean, I've been there, so that's why I've asked him. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, like I, I flew in on the West Coast to Shannon, backpacked around through the north, through uh, Northern Ireland, and then ended uh -huh. up in Dublin. Nice. And then uh, picked up a little refresh on my, uh, I have a Celtic cross down my spine tattoo. And then yeah, I was, I was right down the street from Christchurch. I don't know if you went to Christchurch, but that big. I can't remember. I see, yeah. it, I'll tell you one thing, just for fun segue, is that. That was the only thing that I booked like during my firefighting season. People are like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, I, I know I'm going to Ireland after the firefighting season. So I booked my tattoo appointment for the end of the trip. That way mm -hmm. it wasn't like bothering me during all the backpacking I was doing and I was crashing yeah. at hostels and everything else. And I'm like, well, what else did you book? I'm like, I don't know. Like, what do you mean? You just got to show up? I'm like, yeah, that's the point yeah. of travel. I'm going yeah. to live spontaneously and just see where life takes me over the next two weeks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what I did. Going through Central America. I spent three and a half months going through Central America and like had no plan. It was just like, let's go to this town next time. And then, you know, well, you know, and I kind of tell, this is interesting. Let's connect it up. I kind of told that a couple of times as a couple of people about chiropractic and functional medicine. They're like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, you don't always have to have a symptom or an issue to go. Mm -hmm. If anything, mm -hmm. and, and I know this is crazy what I'm about to say. But like, what if you just went and then discovered that there's something that you were missing? And then people mm -hmm. are like, well, that's probably them just trying to make money off of me. I'm like, well, in the traditional pharmaceutical medical world, maybe. Mm -hmm. But most chiropractors that I've met, like yourself, as you just explained on today's show, is that you don't want to waste your time and the valuable uh, air that comes out of your mouth speaking to people. It's like, no, mm -hmm. dude, if you're good. We could just do basic maintenance and you want to keep coming back. Cool. But like if there's no mm -hmm. symptoms and no issues. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I think people really need to understand that. It, I mean, diabetes is the perfect example. If you go to Western medical doctor and you are pre-diabetic, uh, they say, okay, we're going to watch and wait. And I'm wait for what? Like this person is on the road to diabetes. Like let's prevent it now. Yeah. But the way the system works is that doctor can treat it. But if they can't diagnose you with an ICD-10 approved diagnosis code, they're not going to get paid. And so they're not going to treat you. Nope. Uh, they're not going to do you a service. And um, they don't know what you know to mm -hmm. at least pass on like, okay, well, uh, consider these lifestyle shifts and improvements, mm -hmm. right? They, they may not even know them. They just don't know. They'll tell you to go, uh, which is the worst website ever, but they'll tell you to go to the, whatever, the National Diabetes, uh, whatever the mm -hmm. thing is. And that yeah. site's completely... I'm not even going to get into it because <laughs> my, my dad, my dad became type two diabetic about 10 years ago. Yeah. And I told people like, well, oh, so he wasn't born with that. I'm like, no, he was not type one, uh, which is more common with the born 
title. Right. But also it's like type two is totally evolutionally triggered due to lifestyle choices. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Like Completely. We, we had no history of diabetes in our family. Yeah. Sorry. So, so interesting thing about diabetes. This is one of my favorite things um, that I've come across. And so um, one thing about evolution is that people don't realize that humans are still susceptible to evolution that, sure. you know, we're still evolving now. And so one, one piece of evidence for that, I think is that, you know, when you go through medical school, you're learning about diabetes and metabolic syndrome and heart disease and things like that. It's always, we see higher incidence and prevalence in people of minority descent compared to people of European descent. So, mm-hmm. uh, Pacific Islanders, uh, African-American, uh, Native American, these people are more susceptible to these diseases. They get them um, more readily and more severely. And so to me, the reason is, is that back in like, you know, middle ages uh, in, in um, Northern Western Europe, uh, we started eating this processed food diet sooner than these populations of people. And so back then we didn't have Western medicine and, and diabetes scientists and things like that. So people who suffered from those diseases from eating this diet probably were less likely to pass on their genes and so, yeah, because they died. Right. Exactly. And so that would mean that people of European descent, um, or, you know, Western Europe or Northern Europe descent, um, have a little less tendency to get that disease. We still do, you know, obviously. Oh, sure. Yeah. But no, you're but, absolutely right. Like people, yeah. people don't realize that we're actually right now being changed at the DNA level, not mm-hmm. enough to affect us, but when we procreate and recreate the next generation, Exactly. That's being passed on. This is why childhood obesity has increased, right? So we've mm-hmm. been we've been down this agricultural revolu- uh, evolution route for so long that mm-hmm. now, after a couple of generations of passing on the bad stuff through the exactly. DNA, we're seeing even more increased risks and chances of childhood obesity. Kids, mm-hmm. kids are literally already being born obese. Exactly, and and so like every time, so like you you spoke about like us individually, like. I can, let's say I'm really good at withstanding toxic overload. My body, my genes are just good for that. Let's say, um, it still could be causing damage at the cellular level. Mm -hmm. And so when I procreate and pass on those damaged genes, so to speak, my offspring may not be the best or may not be as good at handling those toxins as I am. Right. And so if that happens generation after generation, next thing you know, you've got this person completely intolerant to this huge amount of toxins we're exposed to in today's world. Uh, and that's just kind of how it happens. It's very slow, but it happens. Yeah, I mean, it's like, uh, thanks to, I did a 23andMe analysis from the health data, but mm-hmm. uh, and then I uh, had Dr. Anthony J. he's a geneticist, he's been on the show a couple of times, I had him then do a, uh, I forget what episode number it was, but go back and just search for Anthony J. ladies and gentlemen on livethefuel.com, great episode, we did a Facebook Live, but he's like, oh, just get me the raw data, because he's a geneticist, he's like, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't want 23andMe's analysis, right, yeah. he's like, that's surface level BS. So he Mm -hmm. did a supplemental and chemicals analysis based on my DNA. And he said he would have preferred to also add in my blood work. I just didn't have it at the time. So Mm -hmm. we just went off of that. And he's like, oh, he's like, you have very strong markers that you could benefit from taking glutathione, which Mm -hmm. is just super like jack jack up the the free radical fighting and and all that and, uh, and detoxification. Now, I already live a lifestyle of regular cleansing and detoxification since... 2010 so nine years now since i found mm-hmm. that so mm-hmm. i know i've already been doing a good job but hey if i've got some markers it can't hurt to finally take supplements that are actually dialed in for exactly what i might be missing as you pointed out so maybe my prior yeah. generations might have had 
uh, uh, you know, a free radicals issue or, or a toxins issue. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. And I think that this is a, this is a huge conversation. One that I bring up in my book is that, you know, if you did, which, which that, book, by the way, the health evolution, the health evolution. Yeah, yes. Okay. Uh, that's the bigger one. The, the, the heart book is the smaller ebook, but it's, um, so yeah, ladies and gentlemen, you know, actually we've been, we've been chatting so much. I am going to call myself out on not screen sharing. Uh, <laughs> I usually, I, I just, you, I just knew you and I were going to geek out. So, uh, <laughs> I, I apologies. So for the screen sharing people on, on YouTube, you know, they're go to a site. <laughs> he gives away, uh, well not gives away, but you have the ebook right there in the toolbar and the, the heart book. And what do you mean by shorter? Yeah. Like, it's just like half the size. Uh, I don't remember exactly. I think it's like 40 pages. Okay. It basically outlines my ideas about why heart disease is nothing like what we've been told and the okay. causes of it are absolutely wrong yeah. um, compared to what we've been told. So uh, that's that one. But the health evolution, I think this is a super important point. Uh, I think that we're almost devolving uh, in today's society for two reasons. One, what we already talked about, how we can you know damage our DNA and then potentially pass that on to offspring over generations. Uh, and become less evolved to our current environment. But the second is that we're kind of bypassing natural selection altogether. Um, by humans have created this very easy environment for us to live in. So as an example, let's say you could have the absolute worst genes that interact with this current Western world that we live in, but be born into Western society like the United States. Mm -hmm. And you, you know, they could create a, you know, we'd have Western medicine that would keep you alive, not healthy, but keep you alive. Um, I'm a perfect I do like that quick little, you just let it slide right in there, by the way, but it's like, it'll keep you alive, but not healthy. That's true. Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, I mean, I'm modern, a perfect example of that. Modern my, medicine is nice. It's impressive. It's, know? it's good to have around. That's, that's, it's <laughs> in an emergency. Um, I, I mean, I'm a perfect example of that. Like I, my, my genes had a bad reaction to that environment. I was in when I was a child, I should not be here. But Western medicine kept me alive long enough for me to figure out how to actually thrive. Mm -hmm. And so um, that was a good thing. But if let's say someone with the absolute best genes that would thrive, like, you know, the person that drinks and smokes till they're 100 years old and have no health issues, <laughs> that person, let's say that person was born in like the poorest country in the world. And they, you know, were not able to um, procreate and pass on their genes. But this person that had the worst set of genes was born into affluent society and was allowed to. Right. And so we're, we're bypassing that, that, that natural process, that natural selection that would create um, healthier genes for this environment. And therefore, we're not adapting as well to this current modern world that we live in. And so that's one reason I think our disease epidemic is on the well, rise. It's, it's the whole, uh, it. it's the argument of hunter versus gatherer. Like it's no longer hunter gatherer, right? Like it's like, mm -hmm. uh, now I, I, people like Anthony, uh, Anthony J like that doc hook a while. He kills his own venison. He goes and kills yeah. his own elk every year. He stocks his freezer. Like, even though he's a geneticist in a lab, like this guy mm -hmm. gets it, you know? Yeah. Um, it's, it's super cool. I love following him on Instagram. Um, yeah. but kind of like off of your brand, right? Like resource your health. Well, mm -hmm. the resources and the environment that these resources come from have changed. So like, yeah, mm -hmm. still in Africa, if you're weak, you're going to die or, yeah. you know, but unless one of our not-for-profits comes in and saves a day, uh, but it's like th that there's only certain areas of this planet that that still happens. And I'm mm -hmm. not saying a lot of people like we, we could be just going down a really bad conversation <laughs> route because people are like, what are you saying? That it's okay to let people die. And I'm like, well, I don't know how yeah. to explain that because if it yeah. was back in the day, yeah, that's what happened, dude. If you were the weak, only the strong survive. 
Yeah. And, the, and so one of my uh, favorite authors is Rene Dubo, who is a microbiologist. Okay. Um, and he, um, he wrote a lot about this stuff and he, I'm, I'm going to butcher the quote, but it was something like, you know, our modern way of life has proven very successful at um, like keeping people alive or keeping people, you know, increasing the population. Um, but uh, it has done nothing to tell us um, or to help us get around the problems that have been created by keeping this many people alive. True. Uh, and there's, and I, you know, I'm not going to pretend like I have an answer to this, this problem because I don't. Um, so my, my suggestion to people is um, create the healthiest you, you can, you can create so that we're passing on the best genes that we can. Uh, I think that's, that that's right. Yeah. For mankind so that we can, hopefully people are functioning at a more optimal level. We can come together and solve these problems yeah. uh, rather than just arguing and not getting anywhere. Well, but there's but also because will... you're going to, yeah, keep going. Also, because you're going to just create healthier generations down the line, uh, more able to resist the inevitable changes that are going to happen. I mean, I, I tell people all the time, it's like, it is quite impressive what we've accomplished. Science is amazing. And yes, people are living longer than they used to, but also people are dying faster and from different things than we used to. So there, and, there and they're struggling with their life for longer during Absolutely. their life. Yeah, it's like, okay, great. We can, you know, Thanks to modern medicine, and if you're willing to pay the premiums, we're going to limp you along the rest of your life. But because <laughs> yeah. you're not taking accountability for your health, and you're not going to do some self-learning and try and dig in and try and understand why all this is happening, you're literally going to literally limp along throughout the rest of your life on exactly. all kinds of drugs and medicines and never knowing why. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's and I think that Yeah, I think that it's totally possible for people uh, to age really, really healthy. But I also understand that as far as evolution was concerned, it was, it was really only concerned with, you know, you passing on your genes to the next generation. After you were, after you were done doing that, um, I don't know that evolution was too concerned about what happened to that person because the next generation was going on. Um, but I, I think all that means is that, I think that explains why as we age, our, our physiology breaks down or, or is more likely to. Mm-hmm. doesn't mean that we can't age well especially in the easy environment that humans have created for themselves. Uh, but I think it helps explain why we, as we age, we, we start to see breaks downs because well, evolution is concerned with what happened with us after we procreated. This is also why it just reinforces why I do a lot of crazy crap that I do. Like, uh, exactly. it's like, this is why I, I, you know, I do the occasional Spartan race or this is why I'm a CrossFitter. This is why I, I took a risk, left the corporate world years ago and became a firefighter. Cause I wanted to keep putting myself in uncomfortable situations mm-hmm. to stimulate my brain and my body to improve itself. You know, it's mm-hmm. like right now I'm, I'm, I'm started training for my first ever hundred mile mountain bike race. Like I used to, I've done the longest ones I've done a 65 when I lived in Colorado, but thanks mm-hmm. to the lung collapse in January, I saw that as a temporary piece of weakness. <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> Oh, it's time to level everything back up again. I gotta, I gotta challenge myself. So I went and found yeah. 101 miles called the wilderness 101. It's been going on for 19 years in central PA. So I'm going to go do that endurance race. I'll be my first nice. ultra marathon distance on a mountain bike. Uh, I don't know what I'm going to get myself into, but it's like, Hey, game on, man. Like it's, hey. it's, it's probably going to hurt. <laughs> well, it's, it's challenging yourself. It's helping you like, reach that next level. Even if you don't get there, yeah. you know, you, you tried and you're still challenging. You're pushing your body. So, yeah, but this is yeah. also why, I live the health nut lifestyle. Like I, why I keep, I, I, you know, we keep researching, we keep studying. I listen to podcasts. I listen to audiobooks. I bring on amazing influencers like you that are also 
as much of a geek, if not more, uh, <laughs> about this stuff. Like, I love the fact that you are uh, so dialed into the evolution component uh, because I never really had anybody on. We've a little bit of evolution here and there, but you could tell, man, like this is your this is your this is your jam. Well, it's uh, what gave me the answers for my personal life. So I, I really dove in and I really and now since I have this background in it, I learn new information in the context of that. Yeah. And so it's really helpful. And I don't think that, um, like, I love functional medicine. And I don't think that functional medicine practitioners that realize that what they're doing is they're just putting people into a, a, an environment that's more along the lines with their evolved physiology within the confines of modern society. Uh, and most of them just think that, oh, there's better ways to, to treat disease. But really, you know, our, our default state is not disease. And they're just helping people find, remove the things that are are causing disease so the body can just restore its own health. Yeah. It's, it's frustrating <laughs> Yeah, to say the least. Um, well, I mean, listen, man, we're, we're at the top of the hour. Uh, I oh, knew we were going to just, I knew, I knew time was going to fly by. This is awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> so obviously you got the two books, uh, yeah. and the, the bigger book it obviously is the, the newest, I guess, epic release, right? How long has it been out now? Uh, three months, four months, three months, four months. Okay. Awesome. Now, will you be end up releasing an audiobook version? Uh, yes, I've actually submitted that and it's getting processed right now. See, now I'm very excited. Cause that's how I crush books because I travel. I, so I hope I get approved because I did it. I read it myself. I, I hope that it was good enough <laughs> for uh, audible. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm going to do my own. I don't want somebody else. I don't like professional voiceover artists when it comes to an audiobook. Yeah. I mean, unless the author just literally sounds like a dying robot. Then right. I don't. I don't want to listen to you. I don't want to. I don't want to fall asleep while <laughs> listening to a book. So I do get why professional voiceovers is this. But when it comes to an author, the beauty of somebody reading their own book is that you're going to just let certain things flow naturally and probably mm -hmm. add a few extra tidbits in that don't exist in the physical book. And mm -hmm. then you could. That's a justification to sell that to other people too. It's like, listen, FYI, on the audio book, I add in a little extra love here because I can. There's more mm -hmm. flexibility in audio versus print. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. so kudos to you, man. Uh, and yeah. I just downloaded a little ebook that told me how to do it, and I did it. There you go. See, self-taught person here, taking yeah. accountability for his future and getting his knowledge out there. Wow, <laughs> you're groundbreaking. <laughs> because so many people don't do that. Oh no. All right. So, obviously, uh, the health evolution. Why understanding evolution is the key to vibrant health. And then for the people who, who go to the website, uh, Resource Your Health, and we got The Heart, our most medically misunderstood organ. You said that is a shorter, faster read, and that's, yeah. that's more of an ebook format, right? Yeah, and then both of these, um, I'm working on courses that I'm going to put on the website that it's just you know me you know giving PowerPoint presentations and explaining um, both of them, but one about the heart and one about uh, evolution as well. So nice. uh, I'm And you're going to have those also stuff. connected here on the website. Yeah. Okay. Eventually when I self teach myself how to do it. Well, and real quick, just cause I'm literally dealing with a client right now, trying to help her figure out the new, her new brand and a domain name. And it's like, dude, how did you lock down resource your health? Literally like nobody had that. No, I, I mean, I did that a few years ago, Okay. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was you just laid the groundwork. All right. Yeah. Find new sources of your health resource it. There you go. Okay. So when you launch more courses, will that be a new option on the toolbar or is that going to be under services? Uh, I'm thinking it's gonna be a new option in the toolbar. Let's say courses. Smart, smart yeah. move. And and I like that because some people might want to break 
some people get overloaded by knowledge. So people might want to break it down into almost like chapters, right? Hey, I want to do a couple of courses, do it once at a time, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. I try to keep them short, you know, like 20 minute segments, things like that. Yeah. uh, Each chapter. So smart. Uh, Well, well, listen, uh, all the guest co-hosts get to help bring the show to a close. So obviously we really hammered on evolution. We really hammered on the importance of understanding why there is chronic disease. Uh, mm-hmm. but is there an all encompassing message right now behind you and your brand that you're trying to get out to the world? Uh, obviously you got two books, you got the website, you're, 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 you're a actual practicing, you know, chiropractor and functional medicine doctor. So, uh, I don't know, is there an all encompassing message right now you want to leave behind as the final words? Yeah, I think that you, you kind of touched on it earlier. Um, I don't remember what you said, but it, it's along the lines of, you know, someone doesn't have to be uh, formally trained in something, uh, mm. to apply it to their life. I mean, oh, yeah, look I, at, I don't have the letters behind my name. <laughs> exactly. That's what you said. Yeah. And so I think that that's a lot of people think that like, you know, I'm not an evolutionary biologist. You're not traditionally trained in nutrition, but our life experience has given us the knowledge, uh, to apply that to our lives and then help people, uh, in different ways, apply that to theirs. And so I would encourage people to, uh, not be so narrow-minded when it comes to accepting advice from people. Just listen to their story, listen to how they got there, uh, and 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 take from them what you will. Uh, learn, try and learn something from them, even if you don't end up doing what they recommend or whatever. Um, take what you can from their story and what they learned, and see if you can apply it to your life. I like that. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Listen, hang tight, Stephen. I'll give you probably a goodbye off the air. So again, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, I did a couple screen shares here one more time for the uh, the ladies and gentlemen that will watch this on YouTube. But again, it's Resource Your Health. Uh, check out the books. Uh, what's the possible countdown on your audiobook? Because I'm going to air this uh, before the end of April here. So are, are they are they hoping to get audio approval in the next month or two or what's up? Yeah, hopefully the next month or two. I mean, I submitted it about a week ago and they said 10 to 14 days. So All right. hopefully soon. Okay. Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, that's Stephen Hussey, man. All right, he's rocking on resourceyourhealth.com. Thanks for tuning in to another, definitely a focus today on healthy lifestyle. Uh, please become your own inner physician, as I like to say. And uh, definitely check him out, man. I, I love the evolution component. And I think it's so valuable for us to understand where we come from to help us understand where we're going to go. So uh, as, a, as a fellow history geek, uh, understand your past, you can understand your future. So thanks for tuning in, ladies and gentlemen. And again, we're here to fuel your health, your business, your lifestyle. Get me those reviews on iTunes so I can uh, rock your name online. And uh, remember, you too can live the fuel. Talk to you guys again soon. Thank you for subscribing to Live the Fuel. Stay connected on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Live the Fuel. And remember, you too can live the fuel. So please visit us at livethefuel.com. 